98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Eight days removed from the conclusion of the investigation. Eight days removed from the one-year suspension and the $10 million fine. And exactly one week after Adam Silver's very awkward press conference. Robert Sarver, mission accomplished for the NBA. Eight days a week. I think they did exactly what they wanted to do here. I agree. Make Robert Sarver sell. Yeah. Without yeah. making Robert Sarver sell. Without having a vote. Without having everybody know how anybody voted. Without, you know, having anybody else's dirty laundry aired. Hey, it's it's a one-year suspension and a $10 million fine. I don't have the right to take away this guy's franchise. And it was an uncomfortable press conference for Adam Silver. But we talked about it immediately that day, me and you. Now it goes to the court of, couple, uh, the, the court of public opinion. Yep. What are the fans going to say? What are the, what's the media going to say? What are the other owners going to say? What are the advertisers going to say? Well, you heard from the fans. You heard from the media. You heard from one of the owners. You heard from advertisers. And I just think it became too much overall for Robert to feel like I'm going to just go away for a year. I'll work on myself. I'll try to be a better person and I'll come back. I think he just realized, you know, he realized, you know what? I'm not going to drag my family through this. I'm not going to put my family through this. If if this is the way it's going to be, I, then it's just it's easier for me. It's better for me. It's better for the team. It's better for my family. It's really better for everybody if I just sell the sell the franchise. And I don't want to suggest for a second that Adam Silver was being deliberately baffling in that press conference, like he was trying to sound as bad as he came off. I just think it really helps because it really exposed how awful the whole thing was, how inappropriate the whole thing was. Like, it almost seemed like, you know, I'm up here because I'm the commissioner. I'm up here because I have to be, because I'm representing the owners. If it were up to me, I'd have gotten rid of the guy. But it's not up to me. And so I have to I, I have to be up here defending something that I don't actually believe in. And it was sort of being caught in that middle there that made the whole thing sound so awkward. And I think the awkwardness of it really led to this. Man, what are we doing here? Why is Robert Sarver still the owner of the Suns, and, and what can we do about this? Because even Adam Silver's trying to figure out why Robert Sarver's still in charge of the Mitch, Suns. do we still have that cut from Adam Silver, the uncomfortable cut? If you could find the next couple of minutes, I want to I want to play it. I want to hear it one more time, because he did sound very uncomfortable. He did say, but there's a part of me that really believes that Adam Silver knew that that wasn't the end. That there was going to be other people that were going to have a say in it, and they ultimately would be the judge and the jorah. They were more the judge in the drawer than Adam Silver was. There is no one-year suspension. It's all, he's not going to be suspended for. He's done. I'm selling the team. He's going to pay the fine. He's still going to have to pay the fine. But the one-year suspension, the ban, it's done. It's over. He's going to clean out everything at the arena and the practice facility. He's gonna, somebody else is going to own this team. And that's probably not going to take too long. I can't imagine that. Now, the process overall will take a few months, I would imagine. But I don't think we'll get into February and still not have an owner. Mitch, do you have one for me? You're referring to the one where he's comparing the differences between owning versus being... Yes. Po- okay. Yeah, I've got a short one right here. There's no neat answer here. Owning property, the rights that come with owning an NBA team, what it would take to remove that team you know, from his control is a very involved process. And it's different than holding a job. It just is when, when, when you actually um, own a, a team. It's, a, it's, it's just a very different proposition. That was the statement that the NBA had to come out later and say, he didn't mean to say it right, that way. Right. He didn't mean it like that. Yeah. He, he didn't mean that owners are protected and employees aren't, even though that's basically what Adam Silver had just said. He and did say that. He, and he just said it. He, he literally just said it. And it was the reaction. That, and again, I don't think he was, it's not like he walked into that press conference and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have a really bad, awkward press conference. And when I do, people are really going to understand how they need to get rid of Robert Sarver. And that's going to spur people to action. No. I don't think it went down like that, but the fact that that press conference was as bad as it was, everybody got out of it, and it was it was one of those. Okay, how do we do this? If we're a sponsor, if you're a minority, because then shortly thereafter that press conference, LeBron, LeBron, Chris Paul, 
PayPal, John Najafi, it all happened in rapid fire fashion after that press conference. The statement by Kia was another one. Now, maybe all that stuff would have happened anyway, but the Adam Silver press conference really shone a light on just how silly it all was that the NBA was trying to justify why Robert Sarver could keep his team. So, at the end of the day, the NBA gets exactly what it wants without having to do it in that heavy-handed way where they have a vote and the other owners vote them out. Instead, the public pressure and the sponsor pressure and the minority owner pressure, all of that built up, and now Robert Sarver is out. The, the fascinating thing, you showed me a video, and I saw it this morning, but you showed it to me again. There's some video circulating of some guy going down to Footprint Center this morning, and he's popping a bottle of champagne there in the in the concourse area, in the plaza outside of the arena. There, there's zero debate that among Suns fans today, today is a day of celebration. This is a day they've waited for for a long, long time. They've wanted this day to come for a long, long time. I wonder, though, among the fans who are celebrating the fact that Robert's out, Are you celebrating because he was a terrible guy to work for who had racist undertones and sexist undertones and treated employees horribly? Are you happy he's gone because of that? Or are you happy because you never liked him as owner of the Suns at the first place and you were looking for any reason to get him out, right? It's probably more the latter. Probably. As I said to you earlier... We have only, in this market, okay, and I've been here for 26 years, you've been here your whole life, okay? If you take the Coyotes out, who are owned by the NHL and Jerry Moyes and Steve Ellman, and that's been a train wreck, okay? If you take them out, we've only had four owners. Only four. Mm -hmm. You've had Jerry Colangelo, you've had the Bidwells, you've had Robert Sarver, and you've had Ken Kendrick. It's the only owners you know. You've only known four owners. That's it. And with the three major teams, you've known four owners. So, like, you don't, and many of these, like, the the Bidwells are grandfathered in. You've never had a change in ownership with the car. You had one change in ownership with the Suns Mm -hmm. and one change in ownership with the Diamondbacks. That's it. That's it. Two changes in ownership. That's it. I'm not counting the Yotes because they were a mess and the NHL owned them for a period of time and they lose them $35 million a year and it was a disaster. But the other three, the main ones, that's all you've had. And Jerry Colangelo was well-liked. Now, the, my, Bill Bidwell was not well-liked, but Michael's more appreciated than I Bill. Agree. I would agree, but all of them, I mean, if we're just being honest about it. All of them pale in comparison to Jerry. I mean, Jerry... Because Jerry she, bought, brought everything here. Jerry's beloved, you know, in ways that the other guys just can't even, if we're just being honest here, they, they just can't come close to that level. And you're right, because Jerry brought everything here and because nobody could ever question his commitment to wanting to win. It was not debatable, right? Like, you could question Bill Bidwell's commitment. You could question Robert Sarver's commitment. No, Jerry wanted... Nobody no. ever questioned Jerry Colangelo. No, Nobody, it was... it was. He did he, things with money he didn't have. Exactly. And, and he might have done it wrong. Well, you know, he might have maxed I mean, out all the credit into, cards, but he was trying. Yeah, the Diamondbacks were in financial ruins when he had to sell the team. Like he, when, he it, got, when he got forced to, to yeah. be out, when they forced him out at he, that time. But the other thing about Jerry is this. Jerry sat, and I said this earlier, Jerry sat 10 rows behind the bench. He didn't, he didn't sit courtside. He didn't sit right behind the, he sat 10 rows behind the bench. Yeah. Had a nice little seat right in the aisle so he can get up if he had to get up and go away. And, and, but Robert was different. Robert was, man, I, I bought the team. I want to sit courtside. I want center court. I want center court with my, and I had the foam finger and what? He was a fan. Robert was a fan. Jerry was a fan, but he was a reserved fan. Yeah, Robert was. I'm a fan, man. I'm gonna let's go. Yelling at the. You ever see Jerry yell at the refs? <laughs> Robert was yelling at the refs all the time, cursing at the refs. Yeah. Jerry never did. Like Jerry was reserved. Like that, there was such a difference between the two. Eventually, Robert moved his courtside seat to the corner. And back Where, a little and bit, back, right? No, it was in the corner. Was he, it was, was front, in the front row. row? Okay. It was corner, front row. Okay. But he wasn't, you know, 
center stage. Yeah. So there just there was such a big difference between the two of them, and that's why that's why many people did not like Robert. No, and and look, my, I guess my point in bringing all of this up is to just remind everybody why today happened. You know, I, I get it. Robert Sarver was not a popular owner of the Phoenix Suns, and I get it. There's a lot of celebration for why he's gone. Remember why today happened, and not just celebrate the fact that Robert's not the owner of the Suns anymore. Today happened because of this horrible investigation that revealed this horrible workplace that sounds about as toxic as toxic gets. I mean, it just, and and I know, I've spoken to people who, I know people who worked there, who it was, it was very, a very difficult place to work at times for certain people, and I understand all that, but for a lot of people today, you're right. It's the latter. It, it, they're, they're not celebrating Robert being gone because it sounded like to some he was a really bad guy to work for. They're celebrating it today because Robert Sarver was a very unpopular owner of a very popular franchise here in town. And, and no was, matter what and he, was two he did. two games away from bringing them their first championship. He was. And, and, and you know what? In that moment, Robert found a small bit of redemption with the fans who had grown to hate him all those years. When, when they're, think about Robert Sarver and the Western Conference Championship in L.A. He's got the gray beard. He's got the trophy, right? In that moment, I think a lot of Suns fans had made a certain degree of peace with Robert Sarver as the owner of their team. Okay, we're good. Like, okay, you know we're what? Good. You hired Monty. You hired James. You put you this team it together. You, you, it took you long enough, but you kind of figured out how to run a basketball team. We're, we're good now. We're okay. Like I said, it's bookends. They're like the, the bookends. Yeah. The law, the 10 years of failure are all the books, you know, but on the corners was the seven second or less. And then this team right here, they were shorter than the 10 year run, but they were, they were, they were, they were successful. Just the beginning and the end of his tenure was successful with the team. There's one more element about this Robert Sarver selling the sun story that we have to talk about. And that was the statement itself today. Boy, did it rub some people the wrong way, including yours truly. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. When the news came down that Robert Sarver was going to sell the Suns and the Mercury, as that news came down this morning, Adrian Wojnarowski on Twitter reacted, quote, There was always concerns that Sarver's stubbornness and desire to paint himself as the victim would make him willing to continue as a pariah in the NBA community. But his decision to sell the Suns and Mercury bails out the league and his ownership peers. That's a quote, unquote. And it's that part about his stubbornness that uh, you and I talked a lot about last week. Like, how dug in is he going to be about this? How how stubborn is he going to be in not wanting to sell the Suns? And quite frankly, there were some reports last week when the punishment was handed down that Robert didn't take it very well. That Robert disputed some of it and and was he argumentative did. about some of it. Well, that carried over into today. And if there's look, I'm going to say that I said this before, so I'll say this again. At the end of the day, Robert is selling the Suns, and that's all that matters. The how he's selling the Suns really doesn't matter that much. But man, that statement he released today really rubbed some people the wrong way. A lot of people, the yeah. Because wrong the, way. if you take the high road, look, obviously I made enough mistakes. I'm not wanted, you know, in the NBA community, and uh, it's time to sell the organization. And you know, yeah, you, you can't sit there and say oh, I did my best and I tried. And I just, but he was hopeful because the one, the, the one part of the statement is that what the, in this unforgiving was a culture or in climate. Our, it, quote in our current unforgiving climate, unforgiving it has climate. become painfully clear. That 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 is no longer possible, that whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by things I have said in the past. Okay, that's true. The good that you've done, and he's done a lot of good. I mean, he was a very charitable guy. He was involved in a lot of good things. The Suns, were, the Suns organization is tremendous and charitable, but it's been outdone by the things that you said in the past. It's true. Like, that's true. You're all the good you did, but that's the way of the world. Like, you, you, you know, you can do all these good things, and if you make one crucial mistake, or in this case, 20 crucial mistakes. Uh, that's where, okay, thank that's, you. 20, you made 20 crucial mistakes. Yeah. Like, you don't get, you know, that. that's how people are going to remember you. Look, I get it. I, I, <laughs> 
Trust me, I understand the world in which we live and those two words, right? right? Cancel culture. And it hangs over everything, right? And it, and it infuses stories like this. Oh, the cancel culture, cancel. And, and that's without saying it. That's basically what he's saying, right? I, I mean, he's in our current unforgiving climate. It became painfully clear that forgiveness is no longer possible. If we're talking about one incident here, one thing that you've done, okay, now we can have the cancel culture conversation. Tom Breiderman. Right. Now, now we can. Now Tom, we, now got, we, Tom Breiderman got canceled. He can't, he's not getting his job back. Okay. But Robert Sarver didn't do it just once. Robert Sarver did it again. Again and, and again, again. And again. Right. And again and again and to again men, and again to and again. Women, and, to women, to a pregnant woman, to some doctor that was giving him a physical, yep. to, to walk, going into the shower and having a comment to a. Oh, I, all of those. And all of that. And, and the fact that it happened again and again and again, I don't think, and people out there might disagree with me, I don't think you're allowed to use the cancel culture argument when it happened again and again and again. I don't think you can say, well, in our current climate, and it's not like, and I think it was Gabrielle Union who pointed this out a few days ago on Twitter. Man, it's not like all these things happened 10 years ago. One of the incidents that's alleged in the report happened one year ago, a year ago. We're not talking about things that were 10 years old. We're talking about something that just happened in 2021 after and, and, and the sons have changed. Their HR department has gotten better. Their organization has gotten better culturally. They have improved. There's no debating that. But this idea that Robert was a changed person, man, one of the allegations in the report just happened 12 months ago. So let's ease up on the, oh, woe is me, I'm a victim here, when all the things that you were accused of doing, you did them multiple times, they happened over and over again, you were repeatedly told by people on your staff, you know, you probably shouldn't do that, you know, that's probably not a great idea. You shouldn't pull that guy's pants down at at a team event. You probably shouldn't say that word. If you're quoting somebody else, you probably shouldn't say that. I just, I have a real problem. I don't have a problem Mm -hmm. with, with the cancel culture climate. And how everybody's, you know, one side or the other on that kind of hot potato political so debate. You, you have a problem with that. No, I don't. I don't I don't have a problem with that concept and discuss it, but I just applying okay. it here. Right. Applying it to this particular situation, come on, man. Yeah, you're not, not listen, a victim. The, you did this to yourself. The easiest thing to say is like, you know, clearly I've made a bunch of massive mistakes and it's gonna cost me my organization. I don't want to put my team and my play and my players through this anymore. I don't want to put my family through this. I again I want to apologize one more time to everybody that that was affected by my comments and my language and the things that, that, that I've said but it's become painfully clear to me that um, you know that it is time for me to sell this organization that the things that I did in the bath were, that the things that I did in the past were very hurtful and it, it's I need to for, for the best for me for the community yeah. for the team it's best to move on now that being said and I, I'm being as sincere as I can here his family, I feel well, that's for why. Them. But that's but that's why he is where he is today. He's this decision. I think Robert probably would have tried to get through this, you know, at the year. And I think he probably would have tried to get through this. But you've got a wife and you've got three kids and your three sons were very, very affected by this. I mean, I know this personally. The kids were very affected by this and the wife was very affected by this. And it took it did a lot of damage. It took its toll on the family. And at some point, as you know, the the father of your family, you've got to know when to cut bait. And you know what? This isn't worth it. Like, this isn't worth it. Uh, owning this franchise for another two, three, four, five years, is it's just not worth it. Let me get out. And now all of a sudden, now all the, not that this isn't going to always be with you. It will. It will. Okay? Yeah. It will, but it will take alleviate a lot of the pressure, that the everyday pressure that the family faces right now. And I empathize with his family. I really, really do. Sure. I, I, I mean, because th- they've done nothing to, I'm sure the hell they're going through right now, they've done nothing to earn that, to deserve that. That's that's not, but at the end of the day, this happened because of Robert Sarver. He's not the victim here. He did this to himself. himself. He, he, he is the one who is responsible for all of this in any attempt to paint this as anything but that, I find to be repulsive repulsive that even in this moment it would be hey, it really wasn't my fault it's the it's the culture we live in it's the environment we live in no it's not no it's yeah not. he's saying he wanted a chance to to um 
I guess earn forgiveness. Yeah, earn yeah, forgiveness to, earn forgiveness, to, to redeem it. himself, to prove that he could change. And and no, it was too much heat. Too it was much, just too much heat. Too, there, there was too much. There was way too, too much big of a body of evidence to even permit him to do something like that. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Kyler Murray says that incident in Vegas. No hard feelings. We're good. Everything's cool. We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. So, Kyler Murray met with the media today, as he does every single Wednesday. Cardinals getting ready for the Rams at home on Sunday. Both teams 1-1. One and one. Big early season game, if for no other reason. The, the, the Cardinals, you know, thought they had gotten over the hump with L.A. last year and beating them in week four and then realized they've gotten nowhere after they got crushed by the Rams in the playoffs. You've gotten over no hump if you're the Cardinals. So it's a big game this week. Not to, not because you can redeem yourself from the playoff loss, but because you can send a message to the Rams. Hey, we, we can contend in this division. We, we're we going to come get you. We can come get you. We're capable of that. I think that's what's on the line this weekend. And of course, all eyes will be on Kyler Murray to see how he plays in that moment. Moment. So Kyler met with the media today. Now, before we talk about the football stuff, I want to address this because he addressed it today. There was a TMZ video that showed another angle of the guy in Vegas who allegedly hit Kyler Murray in the face. Right. And the first angle we saw, I believe, was from a Channel 12 camera. I think uh, our... Um, our buddy Cam Cox sent it out, I think. And that was the initial video in which it appeared somebody tried to hit Kyler in the face when he was over in the stands giving everybody high fives. It was hard to tell because the video didn't provide a ton of clarity. To be perfectly honest with you, I saw the second angle today from TMZ. It looks even less to me like this guy was deliberately trying to hit Kyler Murray in the face. You just can't tell, can't tell. whether there's any intent at all no, it was to just hit a Kyler in the face. and jumping and moving around. Everybody's flailing their hands and trying to pat him on the shoulder pads. And, you know, like the guy I would be mad at the most is the guy that grabbed his jersey and wouldn't let him go. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I would be mad at that guy more than anything. If somebody grabbed his jersey, you're not going anywhere, dude. Like, I I got your jersey. You know, come back here. Like, um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Cliff wanted the guy to be fired from his job. We don't even know if the guy did it on purpose. It's very, very difficult to tell. And and maybe Cliff hadn't seen the video. In fact, I think I read that Cliff hadn't seen the video. He He just heard about about it. He heard about it. About it, and right. that's what he said when he said. So I, I saw the second angle of the video today, and maybe that's why Kyler Murray is taking this tone about it as he did today. No, it's just you know, the stuff happens fast. Um, I'm not. No, I don't know. I don't know. I know every person I've hit in the face. They, I did it for a reason. I don't know. You know, if he, if he, if he was probably didn't know where he was. I don't know. You know, it was a, it was a pretty live game. Vegas is Vegas. I'm sure. You know. He was having fun. Um, but, again, I don't know. I mean, I don't think any player should be getting, you know, touched in that manner. But um, no hard feelings towards the guy. I mean, if I seen him, it was, you know, I'd, I'd shake his hand. But uh, it is what it is. No hard feelings. I'd shake his hand. Of course, in a moment like that, not that I'm not suggesting for a second that Kyler Murray should be hit or should be touched or anything like that. But you go over to celebrate with the fans that might just have been a high five attempt that went awry. Wrong, right? You know, I mean, it, it, he might. I had a couple of beers. Yeah, I'm gonna give Kyler know, a high five. And oops, I misjudged. Everybody's giving him a high five. Yeah. I'm in the second row. I got to reach over further. And how am I gonna time that perfectly? I don't when think Kyler's moving around so fast. In my opinion, I, that video it was really, really difficult to judge intent. And maybe Kyler, after having a minute to cool down about it, looked at the video again and thought the same thing. Said, "Yeah, no hard feelings. I'd shake his hand." He so also, I, I guess, the investigation is off. I, I would have. I don't know if there was an investigation. I, I, there was a report from yeah. the Associated Press that they were looking into the guy. Maybe this means it's. I, I, based off of the video I've seen, I'm no legal expert. I don't know how they're going to be able to prove intent off of any of that. Anyway, Kyler, one last one on this one. And Kyler was asked today if he's going to be cautious with front row fans moving forward. Yeah, no, I'll do it all over again if I could. Okay, so there you go. It sounds like this one's that, about to blow over. But part of that is what the fans want out of Kyler, too. You know, that excitement, that to see the passion oh, yeah. that he has for winning a football game. And then to go just to celebrate with the fans. Yeah. Like, I think people want to see that out of Kyler. Have you seen the video the Cardinals took the day of the game 
of after Byron Murphy returns the fumble for the touchdown and it's focused on Kyler. He runs on this is way before the fan thing happened. Yes. He runs on the field and he's got the joy of a little kid. And of course you would after a moment like that. But you talk about the passion, the energy, the Yeah, he wants to win. Oh my God, it was it was so on display in that. But even for the five or ten percent of the people that doubted that he has that willingness to win or questioned whether, oh, now that he's got paid, is he still going to... Man, these guys want to win. The 99%, they want to win. Like, Kyler, they want to win. They've been playing this game their whole life. They don't like to lose. It doesn't matter whether he got $200 million or $20 million or $2 million. He's still... That passion's going to be the same either way for Kyler Murray. He wants to win that football game. Kyler was funny today. I, you, I asked you earlier, gave you a little pop quiz, and I said, how do you think Kyler Murray would answer the question of which two-point conversion he liked the best. And you guessed correctly. Yes. He liked the pass to A.J. Green more than he liked the 21-second 85-yard run. Yeah, the throw. The throw. Yeah, the throw. And he was asked if A.J. Green, if he even saw him or if he just kind of threw it there. Yeah, I saw him. I saw him. You see, I mean, you can watch the video, see me point to him. Um, I don't know if he knew I was pointing to him, but I was pointing to Yeah, I was pointing to him. You know, he just, he probably just saw me waving or whatever, but uh, I'm glad he listened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that that was such a spectacular throw. And like you mentioned earlier, right, that window was, that window was so small. Like, you know, that's... Now that that's going to the arcade game and trying to get the basketball into the basket when it's rigged, you know, <laughs> you know that. Yeah, I, know I don't know why it's not going in. These shots look perfect, you know, because the rim is too. The ball's bigger than the rim. Like um, it just felt like that. Like there was such a there was such a little little window for him to actually get that pass in there and for him to make that throw. Because we talked about this, right? Two inches lower. Trainer knocks it down. Two inches higher, Green doesn't get it. A little bit more to the left or the right, he doesn't catch that ball. It had to be, it, it, like, he probably couldn't make that throw again if he had 10 chances to make that throw. No, and I, and I don't want to psychoanalyze Kyler Murray either, but I do think because he wants to identify himself more as a passer than as a runner, I think he's going to take more pride in the great pass sure, than he did sure. in the great run. Yeah, of course. You know, of course. like, like oh, that was, did you see that throw? That was a hell of a throw. You know, Whereas I think he's always not downplayed, but he's he's tried to not emphasize as much his unbelievable ability to run the football. I, I mean, do you see what do you see what Cliff said today? I'm going to go back in my sound file and play this for you. Cliff Kingsbury was asked a question about Kyler, and Cliff said this. I think he was mostly kidding, but he delivered it with a straight face. I look at him as like a gift from God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've never seen any quarterback move like. Like that you know that's have a quick twitch and make people miss and explosiveness so yeah I mean I, I think it's just part of the, the whole package and, and when he's making great decisions on when to run when to get down when to throw it away when to step up in the pocket you know that's when we're at our best and, and he did a great job of that uh, on Sunday <laughs> Cliff's got a couple of zingers with the one-liners Cliff's getting better know. Cliff's getting better yeah he's he's it it, it it took a minute, but Cliff is starting a little fun. The, the, I, I still think his funniest was the one where he defended Marco Wilson a couple of weeks ago. Y'all talk like I was trying to bag on the guy. I was, yeah. I was complimenting. So I was in. I was talking about Antonio Hamilton being our number two cornerback. I wasn't trying to bag on Marco Wilson. It was the, the clickbait cut that he had that that now Mitch plays drops from every now and then. Yeah, Cliff's gotten a little bit better. There's no uh, doubt. I'll just go beat McVay. Yeah, go beat McVay. I mean, right now a lot of people feel good. I mean, it's this game, you beat the Rams, you'll be in first place, you'll be ahead of them. And it's not like you got to be it's not like you have to go on a streak where you beat the Rams the way the Rams have beaten the Cardinals. But you just can't lose to them two times every year. You've got to split with them sometimes. Some years you gotta win too. Like it like the the streak of the dominance has to be over. I don't care if you I don't care if the next five years they're five hundred against the Rams. It just can't be what it is now. If you say to me over the next five years they're going to go five and five against the Rams, I'll take that right now. It's fine. Go five and five against them. That's good because you can't. You just can't lose two every year to them if you want to win the division. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, thinking back on recent Arizona sports history, have we ever had a ten day stretch like the one that we just wrapped up with the Robert Sarver news today? We'll talk about it on the Burns and Gambo show. Ninety eight seven FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight?
what is on tonight? What is on tonight? Let's see. Looking. Diamondbacks baseball. Of course, I knew that. that we're, we've got bonus Burns and Gambo. We're on till six thirty, so I should have just known off the top of my head. Diamondbacks. All of the, uh, the all of the, like the regular TV shows are back now. My wife was telling me so. Some of the shows that we like Chicago PD and yeah, it's the fall. Some of the, the, the residents of- and some of the shows we may watch FBI are there. They're back. They're back now. Yeah, Diamondbacks baseball tonight's game. What is this? Four of their five game series, right? Against the Dodgers. <laughs> it just seems absurd to put it that way. Just keep playing them. Uh, I also know the Aaron Judge watch continues. Oh, man, we got to talk about that. He hasn't hit one. Tonight, we have has to he? talk about that, Mitch. I know you. You've been following. What he's so like- so far, he's two for three with two. Double- and a strikeout. Okay. I mean, listen, nothing against Shohei Atani. Guy's great. Aaron Judge is the MVP. At this rate, he's going to win the Triple Crown. That's the other factor. I mean, how is Aaron Judge on? Okay, here's the reason. Aaron Judge is on a first place team. The Angels are not going to the playoffs again. You know how much easier it is when you've got no pressure and you can just play because you don't have to worry about, like, doing any little things to help your team win a baseball game? All right, I'm going to come at this from the point of view of ignorance. I, I don't know this. It, it, are people arguing? Oh, that, it's a huge debate. It's a huge really? debate. That, Aaron Judge is having one of the single greatest offensive well, seasons well, in the history of baseball. That I know. But that, Shohei Itani is having a good offensive season and a really good season as a pitcher. Yeah. Like, I agree. He's done. He's do the, he does things that nobody else does. But, I mean, Aaron Judge is number one in every every freaking category for offense. I just don't know if we can... And he's about to be the all-time home run king. I don't know if we can give Shohei Otani the MVP every single year for being a great hitter and pitcher. You know, I, I don't know if, like, does that mean just that by default he just gets the award every single year because he does both it's when everybody else does argument. one? It's a ridiculous you argument. Know, I, I don't know if we want to get to that. Now, if he does them both well, okay, let's have the conversation. But I, I do think it's some point you ignore other great players and Aaron Judge. Look, I hate the Yankees, but Aaron Judge is having a historically phenomenal year. I mean, you're talking about a triple crown winner potentially hitting as many home runs as he has. Mitch and I were talking about it during one of the breaks. You have to go back to like Mickey Mantle to find somebody like that, right? Yeah. Putting up numbers like that. Yeah, so. well, he's going to break Maris's record and some people say he's the all-time home run king once he does that. Um, oh, if he breaks, if he breaks uh, Aaron's record, um, because a lot of people don't recognize Barry Bonds, and I'm one of them. I know you are. I didn't realize there was that big of a debate about it. So you've got that on tonight, too, if you want those live look-ins when it comes to Aaron Judge and his pursuit of a home run record as he sits at 60. So that's what's on tonight. And, of course, we, uh, the Burns and Gambo Show, not going anywhere. We'll be with you f- till 6.30 when Diamondbacks pregame coverage begins, which just gives us more opportunity to talk about Robert Sarver's decision to sell the Suns, sell the Mercury, um, it caps off what has been, and I, I sent out a tweet to our friends over at AZ Sports History, and it said, I don't know if they're going to be able to help because it's very they hard. They did respond. They, did, they responded they to responded me. They responded with something. It's, it's, it's not it's the same, but there was a response there. I did see that they responded to you. I'm looking through my mentions now to see. Okay, in what I asked them, I'm getting ahead of myself here. What I asked them was, help me, try to remember if there's ever been a 10-day period where more has gone on in Phoenix sports, where it's been busier than it has. I mean, think about starting with the Chiefs game, okay? Okay. Chiefs get embarrassed, or, or the Cardinals get embarrassed by the Chiefs. Tuesday, the server results are released. He suspended a year, fined $10 million. Wednesday, it's the Adam Silver press conference, the LeBron tweet, the Chris Paul tweet. Then it's the NBA Players Association Executive Director. Then it's John Najafi on Thursday night. Then it's PayPal on Friday morning. ASU loses to Eastern Michigan when they're a 20-and-a-half-point favorite on Saturday. Herm gets let go on Sunday. The Cardinals rally from down 20 nothing at halftime to beat the Raiders. Her, uh, or Herm, I already mentioned. And then Robert Sarver announces that he's selling the team. I don't know if we've... I don't know if you and I, in the... 11 and a half years we've done the show together have ever had a busier 10 days than the 10 days we just wrapped up. It's been insane, everything that's happened. It's been a blur. And so I asked AZ Sports History, has there ever been a time that you can remember where in in Arizona? In Arizona. They responded, let's see, 
Sarver report is released by ESPN on November 4th. U of A snapped their 29-game losing streak, and the Yotes snapped their 0-10-11 start. Colt McCoy beat San Francisco with no Kyler or Hop. ASU trails 24-14 with six minutes left, but 135-30. All of that happened in a nine-day span last November. Uh, not, not as comparable. Uh, yeah. You need firings, right? You need, like, like, there's some good stuff there. Like, you need some bad stuff, too. <laughs> you need, like, coaches getting fired. You'd have to go back. You'd have to look at the timeline to me. The... Um, the mutiny at Arizona, is that what it was called? Yeah. Uh, when they marched on the mall, yeah, yeah. they marched to the president's house. Yeah. they like, listen, we're not playing for this guy. He goes or we go. Uh, that or, you know, go back to the time frame when, with the Wally Backman hire by the D-backs, <laughs> you know. I, I still count him as a manager of the Diamondbacks, by the way. When, like, go, for, go when, through that time frame. Yeah, when someone says name all the managers of the Diamondbacks, I make damn sure to include Wally Backman. He was hired, and then he was all within that week, right? You hire uh, Wally. Oh, yeah. your, but what else happened in other sports? Yeah, you know, you'd have to happened? go back and, and see that. And, and of course, nationally, yeah, nationally, that's a different story. There have been busier weeks. There's been more going on. I mean, hell, just the COVID week alone, you know, March 11th of 2020, you know, just that day alone, just a, that three day span in and around that. Yeah. I don't know if anything's ever been Actual busier. The tournament than that. gets canceled. The um, NBA, yeah, the NBA, sure, everything got canceled. But yep. locally, locally, just Phoenix sports. I, I I need to go back and really look at it. I don't think. You have to, but you have to look at like each sport. Like, I'd be really hard to do. It would be really because I could pick three or four things and say what happened around that. Because like I could think of big things that happened when Earl Watson got fired. You know, after three games. When I lost two games by like 50 points, like what happened that week? What happened with Wally Backman? Uh, you know, what happened with the, with the U of A, the, the, the player mutiny with U, U of A? Like you could go back to, uh, you know, a certain amount of things and try to see like what happened those weeks. Bill Frieder and Headache, was it Headache Smith? Headache Smith. You know, the gambling uh-huh. thing. Like, but you'd have to find like what happened in the other sports to kind of match up with this. Yeah, and and it's probably an impossible ask. I can't remember. I, I it's it's all kind of a blur to me. I'd have to go back and like look at what year this happened, what year that happened. I don't know. But these last ten days or so, you know, and it's not just one sport. It's not just one team. It's got to be like multiple teams. In this case, it was the Cardinals, it was the Suns, and it was ASU. And and I mean, in particular. The Herm Edwards, the Robert Sarver, I mean, departures of two, Sarver more so than Herm, but those are two really big departures, two controversial kind of decisions, two newsmaking kind of stories that happen, and then sandwiched to, or, or bookended around them were two unbelievable Cardinal games, one in which they got absolutely humiliated against Kansas City, and one in which they absolutely humiliated by Vegas by coming back in the game they did. So I don't know. I, I don't know if there's an answer to it. I don't know if there's a way to find out the answer to it, but it's been a week, and, and one thing we can say and we'll again. We've got bonus burns and gambo, so we'll keep talking about this. The server story's done. I mean, it's done. It's over. Right? This, yeah. This is it. There will be some fallout, some more information to come out about it in the coming days. But make no mistake, Robert Sarver's ownership of the Suns as a story is effectively over. The next story becomes the new guy or or girl. The man or woman who yeah. becomes the owner of the Phoenix Suns. It quickly evolves into who is going to be the owner of the Suns now and what can we count on out of that person in terms of leadership, money, commitment to winning. That is all that They're stuff, win. Right? I guarantee you that person's going to win that press conference. When they step up to the ta- to the to the uh, podium and they speak for the first time, and it's going to be new and it's going to be refreshing, and and everybody's going to want to buy that, you know, everybody's going to want to buy into whoever the new owner is, and that new owner is going to come in and say all the right things about winning and spending money and bringing a championship to Phoenix, and uh, hey, listen, whoever takes over, okay, as the owner, is coming in in a really really good spot. Oh yeah, you've got a team that could win in your first year, your first year. So I would imagine, you know, that it's not going to happen overnight, but at some point during this season, there will be a new owner that's going to come in. 
who else? I mean, think about the spot that that guy's coming in. Mm-hmm. He's coming in with a team that's one of the few, three or four best teams in the NBA that is one of the favorites to win the NBA championship. It's a hell of a spot to be in. Yeah, your, your, your GM is solidified. Your coach is solidified. Your yep. star player just signed a super max deal. Another one of your star players just signed a max deal. You, you know, you're in a really good spot coming in as an owner. I was just looking at when Al Padrique got fired because the year Pat Tillman died in 2004 was the year that Al Padrique took over for Bob Brenly and trying to see if those matched up. And it would take a lot of work to try to figure it out. Bernie. It would. And, and it's probably unfair of me. They're good. It's, it's a good. Twitter account to follow, uh, and it's always fun to see, oh, on this date that happened, and on that date this happened. They're probably not going to be able to answer my question. I don't know if anybody's going to be able to answer my question, but uh, it has been a really, really busy week. It's been a really busy week and a half. It's been a blur. Bonus Burns and Gambo returns, and we circle back to the top story of the day. Robert Sarver announcing today he is selling the Suns. He is selling the Mercury. What exactly does that mean and how exactly is that going to work we'll give you a refresher course next on the burns and gambo show 98.7 fm arizona sports station burns and gambo Gambo's side on this right, one. Just, uh, just the whole way home, just on a loop. No, 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 no. Not that the song isn't fun to listen to, but we are listening to it right now. Is this not good enough for you? This no. is listening. Oh, you want more? Playing this song for the third time today, by the way, because it's September twenty first. The date referenced in the song, yes. Yeah. And good on Mitch for knowing that this song is to be played on the Burns and Gimbo show on this day. Doesn't matter what show I would be a part of. This is getting played, you, regardless. You like this song too, huh? Oh yeah. Oh my I'm a god, big Earth Wind Fire fan. I. I like it very much. You know, fun fact, we actually, when I was still in marching band, we did a field show for Earth, Wind & Fire. No way! Yeah. Mostly for the um, the album that's got, uh, uh, what's the song? In the Stone. That album. My band director loved that. Trust me, if I didn't like this song as the driver of this show, I would have backed us the hell out of here a long time ago. I don't know, Mitch is like in control song. right now. <laughs> Mitch is the band guy. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds so good. It does. It does. Body, body, uh, why, why are we still on the air? Oh, it's bonus Burns and Gambo. That's right. We have these moments <laughs> where. <laughs> now I We're a giddy, man. We've been working all day. Why and it's like, are we still here? You guys still got to work more. Oh, because. So we're singing. We still have to work a little bit more. Dancing the night away. When we've got like a seven o'clock start time for our game, management comes to us and says, hey, would you guys, you know, take 
pick one for the team and maybe yeah. stay on till six thirty. Oh yeah, when we start our network oh, pregame coverage, great. he brings us in some dinner. Oh no, wait, he doesn't. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no dinner you here. No, we get for this. No. Still got. That's what I get. I guess we got Jello cup. <laughs> we get a Jello cup. cup. That's what we do. We get a yeah. Jello cup. It's fine. It's part of the gig. We have one of the best jobs in the world. And what is a pretty cool job? It, really, it doesn't yeah. suck. It doesn't suck at all. So they want us to go till six thirty on days like today. We go to six thirty on Let's days do it. like today. So we're here. And honestly, on a day like today, with the news that we've got, it just gives us another opportunity to talk a little bit about the end of the Robert Sarver era. Well, I was looking at a, I was looking at a story Yahoo Sports. Don't let Robert Sarver paint himself as a victim in selling Suns Mercury while the people he hurt get nothing. It was an interesting article uh, by Shalise Bonza Young, Yahoo Sports columnist. Said over 100 people hurt or saw behavior that was uh, patently in violation of workplace standards and often did actual mental, emotional, physical harm. He will likely pocket hundreds of millions of dollars in the coming months, and yet Robert Sarver wants you to believe he is the victim. Yes, it is Robert Sarver and Robert Sarver alone who is wronged in all of this, this poor man who is suffering the consequence of his own misdeeds. Look, I understand everybody wants to uh, sit there and say that he painted himself the, uh, the victim. And this, he, he initially came out and apologized to everybody for his behavior and stuff like that. In this statement that was released today, did he apologize again? Because he should have. He should have said, you know, once again, I reiterate that I'm sorry for all the people that were affected by this, but I don't have the statement in front of me. I have it here. Uh, quote, words that I deeply regret now overshadow nearly two decades of building organizations that brought people together and strengthened the Phoenix area through the unifying power of professional men's and women's basketball. Um, here's the part everyone's pissed about, and rightfully so. As a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. Not that part. It, we all agree in forgiveness. Forgiveness and atonement. But he goes on. I expected that the commissioner's one year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. In our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that is no longer possible, that whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by things I have said in the past. For those reasons, I am beginning the process of seeking buyers yeah. for the Suns and Mercury. Now, I'm, if he took out the current unforgiving climate, nobody would have an issue with this. I agree. You just take that, you take those one, two, three, four words out. The current unforgiving climate, if you took that out and just read it as it is, there wouldn't be an issue. But when you say the current unforgiving climate is like, it's, it's people aren't going to forgive me for what I did. Yeah. And that's just the words that people it, are having a hard time with. It's it's code for cancel culture. I mean, let's call it like it is. Sure. Right? It's that mm-hmm. it's that hot potato, hot button phrase that's been like that for the last two years. And, and, and that is what's got everybody. Now, look, at the end of the day... <laughs> However, Robert Sarver leaves at the end of the day, he's left. And that's what matters the most here. But I, I read this statement this morning. I was repulsed by Robert Sarver's attempt to make himself the victim. Uh, I mean, in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear. Stop. Don't blame what's happening yeah, to you on the climate. Don't blame what's happening to you on what's going on around you. How about you start by blaming it on you? Words matter. Yes, they do. And we grew up, we, we grew up, I mean, you remember the way we, we grew up, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words will never harm me. Is that what it was? Yes. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never harm me. So like, no matter what somebody, now, you know, it, it, the generation I grew up in being, you know, being a, a first generation American, uh, Italian, uh, Italian American, like I had, I can't, I can tell you the names, I can't say it on the radio, but the names that I was called when I would leave my bubble of where I lived in my Italian neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So like, but we were always taught that don't let those words hurt you. Don't let those, listen, somebody can break your bones. They can hit you with a stick. That stuff matters. But what they're calling you doesn't matter. That's not the case anymore. I mean, that's, we grew, I grew up in an era where that was sticks and stones, break your bones. Words will never, don't let the words bother you, but words do matter. And what you say to people and how you react to people that, that does matter. And it's it may be different than the way we we grew up thinking. Try not to let that stuff bother you. Yeah, but it does. It does bother you. But, I mean, I was you know you tried not to let it bother you when you were called a blankety blank blank. But it does it does bother you. They were fighting words sometimes.
sometimes. Uh, of course it does, and of course it should, but I just don't think it applies here. And the reason I don't think it applies here is, is because Robert Sarver did these things and said these things, and they did them again, and he did them again, and he did them over and over and over yes. and over and over hundred, again. A hundred times. I, I mean, if you, if you do something once, and you say something once, and you're apologizing for it, and then in this unforgiving climate, you lose everything that you have, okay, let's talk. That's not the case with Robert Sarver. That's not the... And besides, it's, it's you know, he's going to make a billion dollars off of the sale of this team. I mean, it's it, there's only so far you can go in feeling bad for the guy and what's going on around him, but for him to paint himself in this picture of, you know, oh, it's this unforgiving climate that's the reason why I'm doing this, it skirts the responsibility that he bears, the responsibility that he owns in this and his repeated number of times that he did things that he wasn't supposed to do and treated people the way he wasn't supposed to treat yeah, them. you made this bad, you got to lie on Absolutely, and making it sound like it's the culture, it's the climate, the unforgiving era in which we live, that that's the reason why you're in this boat. Come on. Yeah, listen, for, like that's Come true on. for some people, but not when you have all of these incidents. Right? That is true for some people, that it is a climate, an unforgiving climate, and the, 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 the cancel culture, that that is absolutely true for some people. I believe that. But not when you have, not when you can, incident after incident after incident after, like you said, you said this before, right? If, if it was one incident, even if it was last year, if it was one really bad incident, and but there wasn't any track record of previous behavior like that, okay, okay. Make amends. Let's talk do about the right atonement. Thing. Let's talk about forgiveness. Right. Let's talk about right. uh, as a, we're talking about ten years worth of junk here, ten years worth of inappropriate behavior, ten years of things that he, that, that would have gotten any of us fired, any of us fired. Right for treating people like that, and so that bothered me. That and I'm not alone. It bothered a lot of people. Here's Zach Lowe today on NBA Today. Those are not just words when you're Robert Sarver. Those are borderline actions. Those cause harm and suffering to people in the workplace. Harm and suffering to people's careers. It's not just words that go out into the air. They are almost actions when you consider the power dynamics. And for him to just come out and say, "Well, I just said this stuff. They're just words. They're just words that go." into the air. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of what he did and of the power dynamics. And the statement is a pathetic and, and, a, and in that sense, a good coda to this whole thing. All right. So let's talk about what this means. Robert Sarver says Got in the it. statement, he's in the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and the Mercury. He owns, best estimate, about 35% of everything. What we're trying to figure out is, is he selling his 35% or is he empowered to sell all of it, and we don't I, I, know for sure. I think to maximize the value of the of the franchise, you're going to sell the whole thing. But you know, I, my question is, what does the partnership agreement have? I spoke with somebody very close to the ownership group today that said you've got to look into that. Did the, 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 the minority owners have any ability to say I have a right to match an offer if somebody makes an offer, or the right to buy back in with my share? And what do they feel about this? I mean, if there's if there's ten owners and all of them like, man, I don't want to sell. I mean, do they have any rights? Do they have any rights? So it really has to do. With the partnership agreement, there's some. There was some something put out today that he does have the right to sell it in in with regards to uh, with no regards to what what they want to do. Right. But I don't know if that. You know, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know what the partnership agreement says. But in many partnership agreements, there are things that are written up. Like if the principal owner wants to sell, you know, there are protections for the minority owners in case they want to. You know, in case they want to keep their shares or try to have an ability to to buy the team themselves. And without knowing for sure, it's hard to know exactly how it's going to work, but but Baxter Holmes, who's been at the forefront of all of the reporting of all of this story, dating back to what started the investigation in the first place, did tweet out today, even though Robert Sarver does not own the Phoenix Suns in full, sources told ESPN Sarver has the authority as the team's managing partner to sell the team in full. Currently, Sarver owns about one-third of the team. Now, I'm not saying he's wrong. It's just we need to know. You know, you can't know that for sure until you see the agreement in front of you. It sounds yes. right. It feels right. It feels like like anybody 
you're going to get more money if you can sell the whole thing. And anybody who's going to want to buy the whole thing isn't going to want to inherit my minority partners that he doesn't know a thing about. No, he's going to want to bring in his own partners that he's familiar with, that he knows. If he wants, yeah, if, if somebody wants to buy the whole team, they may say, I'm going to buy the team and I'm going to put a group together to buy the team. It's going to be my group. I mean, I'm, I may not want to be partners with John Najafi or Francis Najafi or, or Sam Garvin or any of these guys. Possibly. It's yeah. lots to go from here when it comes to the story, but the Robert Sarver end of it feels like today is the end. When we come back, Diamondbacks face the Dodgers again tonight. We'll get you ready for the game coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball is 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. We're checking in on the D-backs as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by 72 Sold. Get thousands more on your home with no inconvenience. Visit 72sold.com and by Sonic. This is how we Sonic. Stop by your nearest location today for the Sonic Chop House Cheeseburger. For a limited time, only at Sonic. Diamondbacks baseball coming up tonight. Coming up next, as a matter of fact, is the D-backs taking on the Dodgers. And our pitching matchup tonight is brought to you by Native Interiors. Your home, your way. Let Native Interiors, the flooring experts, match up your vision to your reality. Text the word FLOORS to 620-620 right now for more info. Gambo, as we look into tonight's pitching matchup for the Diamondbacks, Madison Bumgarner getting the start for Arizona. The lefty is 6-15. With an ERA of 5.01, Dustin May, the right-hander, gets the start for L.A. He is 2-2 two and two with a 3.46. Yeah, B- Bumgarner's miserable, miserable season continues. In his last nine starts, he is 0-6 with an ERA of 7.82. And a whip, I know you're down with the whip, 1.81 <laughs> walks and hits per innings pitched. Against the Dodgers this year, he's 0-2. He's got an ERA of 6.55. So he's actually pitched better against the Dodgers than he has against the other teams in his last nine starts, but he has struggled against the Dodgers as well. Yeah, there's no doubt that for Mad Bum, the season can't get over soon enough. Oh my it goodness. just has not been what anybody would have wanted. It has not. There was a stretch there where he was doing all right. There was a stretch there where we were thinking maybe you could trade him. Maybe somebody would be tempted to go get him. That stretch is long gone. Uh, before we look too far ahead, let's look back at yesterday's day-night doubleheader. Diamondbacks. Um, How about just the night one? Let's do just the night one because the day one sucked. You're right. You, 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 Josh Rojas couldn't feel the ball. The bullpen imploded again. Lead in the eighth. Uh, yeah, let's not talk about that because that was a really bad um, blow up by the bullpen. The win in the nightcap snapped an 11 game losing streak in Dodger Stadium. Geez. And according to Nick Pecoro, it was just their second win in that building in the last 22 games they've played there, dating back to August of 2019. Yeah. It's, you know, I saw something the other day about Kershaw's dominance in that building against the Diamondbacks and how great he's been. And yeah, they've just really, they've really, they've really struggled with the Dodgers for a long time now. And, uh, you know, Vince Murata had a, you know, had a, had a great tweet yesterday about like their winning percentage since like the brawl, since the, since the brawl against the Dodgers with Gibby, you know, their winning percentage against them is about 3340. It's about a 340 winning percentage in, since they played the Dodgers since that time. Yeah. It's been a real struggle. The good news for them, Trey Jamison was once oh. again outstanding last night. Six innings, seven hits, gave up two runs on the two-run shot by Max Muncie. He walked only one. He struck out seven. Didn't allow a run until the sixth inning. Dodgers kind of shot themselves in the foot. They had three errors alone in the sixth inning, four for the game. And an unusual kind of bullpen combination last night for Torrey. Melanson in the seventh, Luis Frias and Joe Mantiply in the eighth. Reyes Maranza in the ninth to get the save and close it out. Yeah, and I I mentioned a couple weeks ago when they were going to make those changes that Maranta would probably, Maranta or Caleb Smith, they were going to look to those guys to close games. There is no closer on this team, right? There is no closer. They'll they'll, they'll figure it out piece by piece, but Maranta got the shot last night. Might be somebody different tonight. Your MLB standings, they're driven by trucks only. The Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. As we start playing, Today, we can tell you 
that in the American League, right now your division leaders, and they all have a pretty wide lead. The Yankees in the East, the Guardians in the Central, the Astros in the West. Of course, the Astros have already clinched. Uh, in the National League, it's the Mets leading in the East, the Cardinals in the Central, the Dodgers, of course, in the West. Your wild card teams right now, if the season were to end, the Blue Jays, the Rays, and the Mariners in the American League. Next closest team is five games back. The Braves, the Padres, and the Phillies in the National League. The next closest team, Milwaukee, two games back right now. Okay. Yeah, the American League seems pretty set. The NL, the Brewers are still in that thing. Yeah. Then it's time for the Farm Report, and it is brought to you by Redbird Farms. You can't put a price on great taste as the Diamondbacks affiliates that are in action tonight. Uh, most of the minor league season is done, to be honest with you, but for the Arizona Diamondbacks organization, they still have Reno in action. They're playing Vegas tonight. Let's get you a key to tonight's game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. Backs keys to the game, presented by Mist America, home of the patented Mist 360 outdoor cooling system. Visit MistAmerica.com today for a cooler tomorrow. The Dodgers lineup altogether has a 222 batting average against Madison Bumgarner, but Trey Turner is close to the 250. But in the last eight games, Trey Turner has had at least two total bases in six of his last eight games. So he's going to be the DH tonight. Trey Turner is the, uh, Justin Turner, not Trey Turner. Justin Turner is the key because he's had some success in his last eight games. All right. That game is coming up. 7-10 first pitch. You'll hear it here on 98.7 FM. Arizona Sports Station. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. We'll see you tomorrow straight at 2 o'clock here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.